Got a bit of a hot take on today's Locked On Vikings. I think Mike Zimmer coordinated an excellent game against the Cardinals, even though the Cardinals scored 34 points. Let me explain myself on today's podcast. Hope you all enjoy. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And the Locked On NFL Draft podcast is back. Ryan Tracy and Eric Crocker have revived the old show, so go check out Locked On NFL Draft. It is a daily draft podcast, just like this one is daily. If you would rather focus on the draft, if you're done with the Vikings, you're mad at them, you want to go listen to draft content, go let those guys take care of it. But if you'd rather stick with the Vikings, I have some reasons for optimism for you. So let's get started. I want to start with the offense in this one. Uh, The offense was very exciting. Obviously, the offense had a really good day. And I guess I just want to highlight some of the things that went right there um, and some of the things that I think could be improved. But I guess the major headline has to be the offensive line. The O-line had an incredible game. I mean, they just had a very good game, and there's not really a lot of caveats to that, especially considering they were up against Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. And they definitely game-planned to, like, limit those two guys. And something that often happens when you do that, if, you know, you're going up against Khalil Mack, this happens against the Bears all the time. You game-plan for Khalil Mack, you put a bunch of chips on him, and then Akeem Hicks and Roy Robertson-Harris, you know, kick your butt, although Robertson-Harris is somewhere else now. Um, but you, you kind of get stuck there. So I think it's important to point out that, you know, Corey Peters and like whoever else on the Arizona Cardinals did not manage to kick the absolute crap out of Garrett Bradbury or Uli Udo or anybody. Um, and that's really important. The, the stuff they did against Jones and Watt was pretty cool. I mean, they just, you know, they chipped Chandler Jones and the idea of chipping, a uh, an edge rusher is not just to, you know, oh, get a little bit of a shot on him. So the leverage is right. Part of it too, is to mess with his angles. Basically, if a tight end is coming in on Chandler Jones's outside, it essentially prevents him from getting up field fast enough to make it worth it to even try. So Chandler Jones will basically always go inside and Rashad Hill can know, okay, if he's always going inside, I can kind of commit to that in my pass set and you can be at an advantage that way. And that's a way that you can kind of get the the angles to be the way that you want them to be. Um, And I thought they did a good job of that. They did a lot of similar stuff, especially in the run against JJ Watt. And they really seem to have kind of game plan for him. They want to identify where he is and attack him in a way that ensured that nobody had to block him straight up. And it was a very, they were, they played very scared of JJ Watt. And I think that worked out. I think they very, very much should have played scared of JJ Watt. Um, And, you know, they would either ask a guy to kind of pull and uh, like trap JJ Watt so that you were blocking him from the side or to use other sorts of blocking techniques that aren't necessarily just straight up down blocking the guy um, or double teaming him in pass protection, stuff like that. Things and because you were chipping Chandler Jones, you had the guy left over so that you could double team JJ Watt. Things that that don't ask your most suspect players to do heroic things and instead allow the game to be in the hands of the players you're paying all the money to. And speaking of players they're paying all the money to, yeah, Kirk had a great game and not being under a bunch of pressure is a a great uh, start to that, right? This was the third lowest pressure rate 
in a game that Kirk Cousins has had in Minnesota. Um, and I don't think it, it's, that it's a coincidence that it's also one of his best games, right? Like, that is is pretty awesome. Now, Kirk Cousins didn't have a perfect game, and I am going to nitpick a couple things, mostly because it's fun to talk about them, not because I think that they're particular referendums on him. But I also don't want to be like, well, his offensive line was good. That's the only reason Kirk Cousins played well. Like, he gets his own share of the credit as well. He made the right reads. He made great throws. Um, I think he worked the offense really, really well in situations where the the clock was up against them. Um, and I mean, I said this post game too, and I'm not backing off that take. Kirk was fantastic in this game. Um, I, I think there was some really interesting stuff going on pre pre snap that I wanted to kind of look at. A Kirk Cousins is still kind of sticking to the pre snap. I call them green apple looks because it's the way Andrew Janoko described it in a clinic. I watched this off season. It's not the phrase the Vikings use. They use some other word for it, but it's the same thing. Essentially, if there is a pre-snap look where, let's say, whatever the coverage is, you know the way the Cardinals play this and from this pre-snap look that Justin Jefferson is one-on-one with Byron Murphy on the outside and he's running a go route. Kirk Cousins has the leeway to make the call on the spot there, no matter what the play call was, to nuke it and say, I'm just going to Justin Jefferson, um, and say, whatever else happens on the play call, we don't care. I'm going three steps, and I'm throwing that go ball to Justin Jefferson, and he just will throw those a couple times. He did one on a third and three. Don't think he should have done that. Um, he did one on a play where, or a couple times, he made that sort of decision, that sort of snap decision, where, or that, that pre-snap decision, where you predetermine where the ball is going to go before the ball is even snapped. Um, that's and that's not staring down a guy like a young quarterback might do. That is uh, there are advantages to that because you can basically three step drop, get the ball out and a go route for 20 yards becomes a routine timing throw like a slant, but with a lot more meat on the bone. And that's sort of the whole point of looking for those green apple looks where you say, OK, that dude is one on one and I'm just going to trust trust that Justin Jefferson won and I'm going to heave it and I'm going to heave it so fast that no safety can ever get over to help. That's the whole point of it. Um, so I like him taking those looks, even though they didn't really work as well in this game. Um, there were a couple of times, though, where he would make that pre-snap read and he wouldn't find uh, an incoming blitz. Um, and it wasn't a telegraphed blitz. Um, it would be, you know, just a linebacker lining up at a normal linebacker depth and then he would come after the snap. So it's like those are tough to find and you don't really blame him for not finding it. But there were a few plays that didn't work because there was a, a blitz that Kirk Cousins didn't find and then somebody was open in the spot that that blitzer vacated, but he had chosen to read the other side of the play. That's almost as much a factor of bad luck as it is like a bad reader or whatever. Um, but I still think it's interesting to to look at and like nitpick a little bit. And and I'm sure, you know, Cousins goes back and looks at the tape and nitpicks himself, too. So I feel a little more comfortable doing that. Um, but it, it overall was a, a really good game. And I think the fact that the offensive line more or less kicked the crap out of the front of the Cardinals. Um, Zayvon Collins was an entirely non-factor in this game because I think he got washed out of just a, uh, just about every play. And the tight end blocking was really good too. Tyler Conklin had a lot of really good moments. I kind of know, I mean, he got smoked a few times. Yeah, I would say ups and downs is the way that I would usually call that. But Ben Ellison as a blocker, number 82, was really, really good as a blocker. Uh, and that's really exciting. That's what I want. I needed that blocking t- uh, tight end. Like, give me that guy. Um, so he, he did a, a really good job there and the Vikings could kind of come out and do the two tight end runs, run play things that they want to do. And they were just moving dudes all over the field. And that's why Dalvin Cook got so many, uh, explosive plays and all that stuff. That's why the offense was able to hum and, and you know, really 
score a lot more than we've seen Kirk Cousins offenses be able to kind of score at will in the past. You know, they'll get stuck at 17, 16 points sometimes. This wasn't one of those games. It was really nice to see that against a defense that's full of a lot of talent. So I want to talk about the Vikings defense a lot more, though, because uh, I have a hot take. And my hot take is that Zimmer coordinated a very good game against the Cardinals. I know, I know, I know they scored 34 and I know they lost the game and everybody wants his head. I think Mike Zimmer did some genius stuff, some absolutely amazing, cool stuff that is actually going to make life harder for the Cardinals because he put out a blueprint for how to beat them. Um, And Kyler just made some insane plays and made it all not matter. I'm going to explain all that stuff in that take in a little bit. First, let me talk to you about a good old gramble. I got a question. So Thursday Night Football is coming up. The Cardinals or the, the the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. Carolina is minus seven and a half against Houston. Um, and that line has not moved since the news that Tyrod Taylor is uh, Tyrod Taylor. Sorry, is um, not going to play. So it's going to be Davis Mills. I don't know if you're with me, but I'm feeling Carolina minus seven and a half in that one. But maybe you think that's a little bit too good to be true. Maybe you want to bet the other side or anything else. Think the over under is like 43. Um, so if you don't believe in those defenses, it's a pretty low over under. You want you can bet on anything pro football, college football, your favorite Vegas casino games, any sport or whatever at betonline.ag. It's free to sign up. Just go to that website, betonline.ag. And when you make your first deposit, enter promo code NFL100. That's promo code NFL100. Get a 100% welcome bonus. Whatever you put in for your first deposit, BetOnline just matches it in free play money. That's just free gambling money at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I also want to talk to you about an incredible app that everybody who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside, and you can get cash back for gas. You get 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. If you just download that app on the App Store or Google Play right now, it is a free app and you can even use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents a gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Gas prices are going up. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use that promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot can make as much as two to three hundred bucks a month in cash back and there's no catch the cash back gets added right to your account and you can cash out anytime your bank account paypal and e-gift card amazon and other brands whatever again free get upside app and use promo code touchdown to get 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first take that's promo code touchdown so let me defend my hot Mike Zimmer take. I think he did a fantastic job in this game. Um, and I actually think this was a clinic. And I think he actually laid the blueprint for how to beat the Arizona Cardinals, even though he didn't beat the Arizona Cardinals. And if that makes your brain spin, uh, sit down and and come on a journey with me. So let me talk about some of the bad plays, right? The first play I want to talk about is the first touchdown, the DeAndre Hopkins touchdown that came in technically Patrick Peterson's coverage, but it was a scramble around touchdown. I posted some of these plays um, on Twitter with a timer on just how long it took Kyler Murray to throw that ball and how long you're asking these guys to cover. Um, this came in Patrick Peterson's coverage. He actually talked about it and explained both this and the other touchdown that I guess was credited to him on his podcast. And he had some really interesting thoughts. And this one is thought was basically, look, I just can't cover that long. And what happens on that touchdown is DeAndre Hopkins is running a post route and then the play breaks and he turns around and he breaks it back outside. Now, I don't think that was a post-corner route. I think that was too long to be an intentional post-corner route, like a post that like breaks outside on purpose. I think he just did it in the scramble drill. 
but the middle zone, which was Xavier Woods, had already cheated over to the other side of the play anyway. So there was so much space for Patrick Peterson to cover um, that if you're going to cover that post and stay with DeAndre Hopkins, you have to turn your hips, you have to go full sprint, you have to fully commit to that direction. And then when DeAndre Hopkins breaks it back outside, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. And the only way for a route like that to force you into that position is for DeAndre Hopkins to take three seconds to set it up. And that's so that's not going to be a normal route. That is only a thing that's only possible for that to happen to you on a six place or a six second scramble drill play. So the second play that I want to talk about is the one that pro football focus is the busted coverage uh, touchdown to Rondale Moore, the like 70 some yarder that was, you know, Kyler Murray rolls out. He finds this guy that's impossibly wide open who basically walks in for the touchdown. Um, so. Patrick Peterson, again, on his podcast, was incensed that Pro Football Focus credited him with that. So um, for this on YouTube, I'm going to go to the old whiteboard Photoshop document. I'll draw this out, but I'll be as descriptive as possible on the show uh, on, on the podcast if you're just listening on audio. So first things first, the Cardinals were in a three by one formation, which means they had three pass catchers. Uh, on one side of the formation and one on the other side of the formation, Patrick Peterson was on the side with three guys and he had the outermost guy. And in match zone, this was uh, called fire zone, which is a blitz. Um, actually, they were sending a blitzing linebacker, which was Eric Kendricks um, and everybody else. They were actually sending five and had that many fewer guys in coverage, right? So uh, Patrick Peterson had DeAndre Hopkins and was on the outside in fire zone that is a zone match concept which is essentially you use zone coverage rules to decide who you are covering and then once you have that guy you have that guy um brian mcfadden described it on that podcast as the way they used to teach it in pittsburgh when he was there once you buy him you buy him and you can't go back to the store and bring him back once you buy him you buy him once you have a guy you have that guy and that was kind of the way that they justified what patrick peterson did and so what happened was uh, DeAndre Hopkins, everybody kind of uh, and everybody else, Rondale Dale Moore um, and the other guy all ran vertical routes and everybody kind of covers with them as best they can. And the blitz kind of got there, kind of didn't. And Kyler Murray rolled out to the right, which is uh, a way of, for him to uh, extend the play. So, again, you can kind of chalk the same play up here to the play being extended too far by Kyler Murray and you just can't cover for that long. Well, DeAndre Hopkins starts working back toward the ball, which sucks Patrick Peterson like more shallow. And meanwhile, Rondale Moore um, starts working toward the sideline up this way. And Mackenzie Alexander, who was in coverage of Rondale Moore, passes him off, passes him off to nobody and he's wide open. And he gets to go up for a touchdown. Um, so what I think pro football focus, and this is at least Brian McFadden's theory, pro football focus thought this was more of a straight up cover three where instead of everybody kind of manning up against the guy in front of them or whatever, it is instead three deep defenders. And what they thought Patrick Peterson's assignment was, was to take the deepest guy. So when uh, DeAndre Hopkins started working back toward the ball, what they wanted him to do was to come off of DeAndre Hopkins and pick up the deepest guy. And then uh, Mackenzie Alexander was supposed to take the next deepest guy. And that's a more typical way of playing cover three. 
And that's probably what Pro Football Focus thought it was. So they thought Patrick Peterson made this mistake, but he adamantly denies this. And maybe he's just saving face. Or maybe that's really more what the rules were. And Mackenzie Alexander either shouldn't have passed him off or the play should have ended before five seconds. And then we don't really know what the coverage rules are supposed to be after five or six seconds. And maybe you have to get in the room and talk about what those should be for next time. And that's how you fix this problem. Um, but I, I don't know if it's necessarily fair. There was a stat going around about how like uh, Kyler Murray, when targeting Patrick Peterson, had a perfect passer rating. Well, that's because the two touchdowns that were uh, mostly about Kyler Murray extending the play beyond five and a half seconds. I don't know if that's necessarily that reflective on Patrick Peterson. So I, I want to talk about the option and the way the the Vikings um, defended it. I have an article as well that I'll link in the show notes for that um, so we can get all that. But I also want to talk to you about the way you watch TV. If you have too many devices, too many logins, all that stuff can get very confusing and you can uh, break down some of that clutter. If you have a, a TV that is smart TV that's got your live TV, you're watching highlights on your phone, you've got another device that's got all your on-demand streaming and all that stuff, why don't you just get all that stuff all in one place? Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. Direct TV Stream is a service that lets you consolidate all of that stuff brings live TV and on-demand favorites all together in one place like never before. No more juggling remotes, no need to buy a new device ever again. The best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter, get rid of the confusion, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Let me also talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar is all covered in 100% chocolate. It's high protein, low sugar, low carb. Like 17 grams of protein in one of these things, like 4 grams of carbs, 4 grams of sugar. Like it's awesome, but it feels like a cheat day. It comes in delicious flavors like chocolate cherry, chocolate uh, orange, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate mint, kind of whatever your favorite is. You can probably find something coconut if you're in a coconut. Uh, and I like the sampler box. It is two of each of their nine main series flavors, but they have some other flavors that come by on a limited time basis on the website every once in a while. So make sure you go check those out. That is at built.com. If you enter promo code locked15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at built.com, you can get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code locked15, all one word, at built.com. So let me talk to you about how the Vikings defended the option. If you follow me on Twitter, you've seen a lot of these plays. Um, I also have an article coming out again. I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, but basically, the point of the option, which is the bread and butter of Arizona's defense, and this is why I think Mike Zimmer's game plan was cool. So we went over that they, the, a lot of the huge plays I don't really think are an indictment of the Vikings as much as they are a credit to the Cardinals. Um, and the bread and butter, I think, is a credit to the Vikings. The point of the option, the way the Cardinals run it, is to read the defense and ensure that the defense is wrong. If they go left, the play is going to go right. If they go right, the play is going to go left. Whatever they do, you do the opposite and you ensure that they're wrong. Read option, run pass options, triple option, all of that stuff that Cliff Kingsbury relies on is you go left, I'll go right, and vice versa. And the way Zimmer took advantage of this is really, really cool. Now, when I said how to defend the option, I basically just said make sure everybody's assignment sound, make sure everybody knows kind of which part of the option they are covering. And from there, if somebody can beat their block, you should be able to make a play on the ball. And the Vikings did a very good job of that, but they did so much more clever stuff. It's almost as if an NFL team is smarter than me. Um, and I, I really want to detail all of it. Um, I, I went in way more detail in the article, too, than I have time to do on this podcast. But basically, you can take advantage of the we go left, you go right kind of mentality of an option 
offense, because if you can figure out what they're keying on, if you can figure out who they're reading, most of the time it's Daniel Hunter and Eric Hendricks, because those are two of the scariest players on the team. And if you can read those guys out of the play without having to block them or spend a guy on it, that's fantastic, right? Um, And so if you can figure out what the key is, you can use that to essentially dictate what the offense does. If the offense is going to read you, that means they're going to let you dictate what the play call is. If it's a run-pass option, what Eric Kendricks does decides if that play is a run or a pass, which means you can tell Eric Kendricks what to do, and you can decide if you would rather defend a run or a pass. It puts a lot of power in the defense's hands if the defense can figure out how to wield it, and the Vikings figured out how to wield it, which is why the Cardinals were in so many third and long situations and so many desperate fourth downs and stuff that they ended up converting because Kyler Murray would make an an incredible play, but the Vikings did a good job of keeping those guys behind the chains for the entire game, and they deserve credit for that, even though the scoreboard doesn't necessarily look that uh, like they had some incredible game or something like that. I just think Mike Zimmer did something really, really fantastic schematically, and that deserves to be called out and praised despite the ultimate result of the game. Now, good defense of the option doesn't just let you control run or pass with the run pass option. When it's read option, well, you can now choose who the ball carrier is. Would you rather Kyler Murray have the ball in his hands or Chase Edmonds have the ball in his hands? You can make that choice and you can just kind of key on the guy you don't want to have the ball. And something that Zimmer's defense did in basically every iteration was key on Kyler Murray. And I think that makes a lot of sense, right? You saw how talented and dynamic Kyler Murray is. Let's have the ball in his hands as little as possible. And so all those crazy good plays were not RPOs or anything like that. They were more straight drop back plays um, that had, you know, deep routes and stuff. And the only way Kyler Murray could make a play was on pure passing plays. And I think that was a really good way to limit that. Um, so, you know, let's say the Cardinals get the two seed, the Vikings get the second seven seed and they end up in the playoffs. I think all this stuff really, really comes up again. Um, and I think this would be a reason that I would feel OK about the matchup, even though the Cardinals did such a good job against the Vikings defense in the first place. Uh, scoreboard wise, they kind of have the bread and butter figured out. and The Cardinals will have to adapt to that. So you can dictate the ball carrier. You can dictate run pass and you can dictate spacing. If you don't want the run to bounce outside, you can have your players commit further to outside and you can churn them into the meat grinder of Michael Pierce if you would like. Or if you want to spill them outside, for any number of reasons you could want that, you have people stay a little bit inside. I also want to shout out to Neil Hunter in particular. A lot of the reads are spacing reads, which means you are reading how much space there is between Daniil Hunter and, uh, you know, the next guy over, the next blocker over, basically. And do I have enough space to squeeze between Daniil Hunter before he makes a play on me? And Daniil Hunter did a very, very, very good job of giving the exact right amount of space so that the answer to that question was no, so that Kyler Murray couldn't squeeze past Daniil Hunter, but if he tried to bounce it outside, Hunter was still in good enough position to use his athleticism and make a play. And in addition to the three sacks, I think the three sacks are the like third coolest thing that Daniel Hunter did in this game. <laughs> he was incredible in this game. Um, so you can choose the ball carriers, you can dictate the spacing, and you can dictate run pass, and you can basically force the Cardinals to beat you in the hardest way possible. And there is something, too, on defense, forcing them to do the hardest thing possible is sometimes the best outcome, even if they actually accomplish the hardest thing possible. On defense, sometimes you don't necessarily stop them, you just make everything as difficult as possible for them to do, 
And if they still do it anyways, you kind of shrug your shoulders and say, all right, we did literally everything we could possibly have done. Good job, Kyler Murray. That's the beauty of defending the option for the Vikings. And this will come up again. They have the Ravens that they have to play. Um, These are staples for the Packers. I think the Bears have a lot of these packages with Justin Fields, and I think they'll be more comfortable with those packages uh, by the time the Vikings actually play them. There's a lot of Russell Wilson coming to town next week, um, and he runs some read options sometimes. So all of these uh, plays are and these concepts are important to demonstrate, and they make me feel good about some of feel better about some of those upcoming matchups, especially the ones against mobile quarterbacks. So this is a reason for optimism. I think Mike Zimmer figured out the offense across from him, made them do absolutely incredible things or lose, and they managed to do the incredible things. Hats off, but I do not think Mike Zimmer messed this game up at all. Um, and I and I'll hold to that. Again, read the article in the show notes for more specific descriptions of of particular plays on this. Tomorrow, we are talking to Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks, so excited uh, to talk to him about his depraved Seahawks and the depraved Vikings. Really excited to get into this matchup and uh, start talking about a new offense, another wide zone, another McVay clone wide zone like what the Bengals did, so we have to start preparing for that again. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun. NFL show is on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find the Locked on Bets podcast. Those guys are uh, batting like 62% or something like that, which is crazy for bets. So go check those guys out if you want to get your grambles straight. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.